Good morning, everyone. It's uh, an honour to be here in the room alongside some really cool superheroes, uh, knowing that we are known and loved by the greatest superhero of them all, our Lord Jesus. Isn't it good to know that? That we are known and loved by our Lord. So uh, this is week two of our Love Your Neighbour series. Last week, Anil kicked us off with Love Your Neighbour in church. And today we're looking at Love Your Neighbour at work. So quick intro, my name's Darren. I've been very excited the last few days because Toy Story 4 is finally out in the cinema. And I'm super excited because I love those films. I mean, I think most of us do, yeah? Oh, they're great films. And I've been listening to Tom Hanks talking about his role, taking up the role of Woody again. And I've been hearing him on, on various interviews recently. And he's got me thinking about something which I think I'm ready to announce to you all today. I am seriously thinking about becoming an actor. Thank you. Don't, don't look so surprised. I mean, thank you, John. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm not, the, I'm not the only one here who's thought that. You know, actors have a pretty good deal, don't they? They get to go to glamorous locations. They get to go to award shows, sit on talk shows, talk about their latest work. I thought, yeah, you know what? I could do with some of that. Go, I can see myself now at the Oscars or the BAFTAs, you know, making my acceptance speech. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank God, my, my family, my church. All that kind of good stuff. Go, to, go and get fancy dinners, goodie bags that you get at all these events. And I thought, sounds like a pretty good deal to me. But why, do I, why would I want to be an actor? It's not for the fame or the fortune, useful as those things might be. It's because we know the reality that actors, most of them are struggling. It's, not, it's, not, it's a tough gig for most people to enter that profession. Now, what appeals to me about acting is the thought that it's a profession that will teach you so much about life and the various strands of life. Like, for example, if you're going to be playing the role of a doctor, you may end up going to a hospital shadowing a doctor, learning about their day-to-day -day routine, studying types of medicine, depending on the kind of role you're doing. If you're going to be playing the role of an archaeologist, perhaps you'll go to some really interesting sites, learn about the tools and techniques used for excavation, learn about a period of history. If you're going to be doing a costume drama, you'll learn about maybe the food of that time, the clothing that they wore, maybe learn how to sword fight. You'll get all this really great training. I thought you would learn so much about different aspects of life and different things that you would do. So until Hollywood calls, because it's a long way from Hatfield to Hollywood, I have been spending my working life going around from place to place, doing different types of jobs in different types of environments, because I've always liked the idea of variety and learning about different skills and the different ways of doing things. So I've worked uh, in offices, in factories, in shops, classrooms, driving jobs, working out on the street, all different types of stuff, which I'm sure many of us here have. So it's... Um, an interesting subject, love your neighbour at work. Love your neighbour at work. So what does the Bible tell us about work? Because work, experts say that you will spend roughly 90,000 hours 
of your life at work, in the average career. It's a lot of time, isn't it? But what does the Bible say? If we could have the next slide, please. Work is good, actually. If we look at Proverbs, just four verses here. Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies lack judgment. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 18, 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. So all these are very positive things about work. Work is a good thing. If we're able to have work and make a living, then, then it's a blessing to be able to do that. So if work is a good thing, why then should we love our neighbour at work? Why should we do that? Well, it's a commandment. If we could have the next slide, please. Matthew 22, 36 to 39. This is where one of the Pharisees, who's an expert in the law, is testing Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. So that's it, it's a command, love your neighbour as yourself. That's it then, so we know work is good, and we know that our Lord Jesus has told us that we are to love our neighbours. Might as well finish now. Let's go and get a coffee and a biscuit. End of. But actually, how do we do that? How do we love our neighbour at work? Especially if you're dealing in an environment where there are office politics, Anger, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, pride, competition. The feeling of being left out, overlooked, being treated unfairly. Where you are feeling rejected in the workplace. It's easy to love when you're, being received, when you're receiving love. But when you're not, and you are surrounded by negativity and people putting you down, how then do you respond with love? It's the hard bit. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look at what it means to love your neighbour at work, I pray that you would reveal to us the hearts we should have for our colleagues and the people around us, and that you would shape us and mould us into the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I've broken this next bit down into three areas. If you go to the next slide, please. So point one, really, be still and know God. Point two, be ready for every good work. And point three, remember who we're serving. <coughs> so the first point, be still and know. Be still and know, Psalm 46.10, which is our key verse in KCC for this year. Now, the first time that verse really impacted me very profoundly was years ago. I was doing a road trip in Ireland with some friends, and this verse was on like a, a brass plaque in, in, a win, in a shop in Galway. And I saw that, and I've read that verse before, but the, that day it was like a punch, and it was like kind of burnt onto my heart from, from, the, from then. And it is such a powerful 
key that unlocks so much in life. And the great country songwriter, Willie Nelson, wrote a song called Still is Still Moving to Me. It's kind of how I see that verse. Be still and know God. Because you cannot know God and not have a response in some way. It's a call to action. If you know God, you'll be moved in some way. Maybe it'll be awesome, awestruck wonder. Maybe it'll be praise. Maybe you move to tears. You'll be moved to joy or compassion. But you'll be moved in some way. So it's a call to action. Be still and know God. Now, how does that apply in the workplace? Well, there's been times when I've been in the office, there's been a criticism or an unfair comment and, or, or some kind of a dispute, a disagreement, tension. And I'm feeling quite angry, quite upset, quite hurt. My tactic, really, to deal with that is to leave the office, go and find a quiet place, go down the corridor. I always tend to find little areas where I'm, wherever I'm working where I can just go and get a bit of privacy. I'll go, find a little area, deep breath. <sighs> Be still. And know, remember that the Lord is sovereign, that he reigns over all, he is supreme, and that he loves us, and that we are his children. So I remind myself of my identity. So it doesn't matter what my boss says about me, what my colleagues say about me, all that matters is what the Lord says about me, and I know I'm loved by him, fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. That is so empowering and so liberating to be reminded of that when we're struggling. You, go, you return back to the office having, been, having had an encounter with God in your private space, having been still before him, acknowledging, inviting him to come into the situation. You, don't, you, don't just, you invite him consciously to come back with you into the office and to deal with those situations. That, for me, is the starting point, is to reconnect. Because we, we sing and praise God in church, and that's great, but we can sing and praise God anywhere at work, especially where we need it, where we are surrounded by negativity. It's always, for me, I find it works. I go and I reconnect with God in a quiet place and I come back. It then empowers me and enables me to respond in a way which I wouldn't normally respond in. Rather than lashing out, retaliating, tit-for-tat kind of banter and arguing in a negative way, um, that allows me to kind of rise above that and to remember who I am in, in Christ. That is the starting point for me, is to be still and know, because we have to remind ourselves that we are loved and cherished and God sings over us. It doesn't matter what's happened in the workplace. It doesn't matter. You know, we work is something which, such a big part, an important part of our lives. We meet somebody, we get to know them. Very often, what's one of the first things we ask them? Oh, so what do you do? What do you do? As if our job somehow defined us. But actually, we can change our job multiple times throughout our life. What you doesn't define you is what you believe that defines you. And who you are in the Lord who defines you. It's not your job which you can change, but who you are in Christ will never change. So it's important we get back and remember that whatever the, the job and, and the working environment tells us, which can always change depending on you have a good day or a bad day. In the Lord, God, God never changes and he, his love for you will never change and it's permanent, it's forever. So that's what we need to remember. 
So be still and know. Now point two, be ready for every good work. Let's go to the next slide, please. Thank you. So this is from uh, Paul's letter to Titus, Titus 3, 1 to 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy to all people. I think that's a great definition of what love could look like in the workplace. If we could behave like that, imagine how different things would be. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy to all people. Now, I find that unless we have reconnected with God and we know who our security comes from him and not from the workplace, in our own strength it can be really pretty much impossible to do some of this stuff. An example, uh, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, one time um, a few years ago I was working at GSK Pharmaceuticals uh, in Ware and I was on an evening shift, sunny afternoon in the summer, went to work, went through a turnstile, I was on the company premises and I was stung by a bee on my uh, eyelid. So it's pretty painful, as you can imagine. I thought, well, I'm, I'm at work, and I, it was a pharmaceutical environment, so I had to go through a change procedure. I had to put on overalls, mob hat, overshoes, and all this kind of stuff, because we are working with medicines. But I thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to go and see, see my bosses and tell them and show them what's happened, because I'm probably going to have to be absent now for this. And it was, so, I, so I did what I felt was the right thing. I went in, and I saw, went through the change procedure, which was quite painful, with, with your eyes kind of all getting a bit blurred and swelling up quite quickly. Went around and so everyone could see what had happened and they said, oh, you better go to occupational health, get this looked at, which I did and they sent me home, they sent me back to Lister Hospital and it cleared up fairly quickly with some antihistamines and stuff. But when I went back to work, I was called into the office by managers and different managers who weren't there at the time. They called me and they said, oh yeah, we, we see that you've, uh, you've been absent. And I said, yeah, I've been absent, and, but you know the reason why. And basically I was being disciplined for that. It went on my record and they said, you know, it's, it's our absenteeism policy. It doesn't really matter about the reason you've been absent and you need, you need, this needs to go on your record. And I said, well, well, how and why? When I, we went through it and of course I was quite annoyed about this. I took it further with human resources, had a meeting. And of course, I, I lost that meeting. So it went against me, um, against my record. And my, and my attendance record had been quite good up to that point. I'd had, th I'd had three letters thanking me for going through a whole year without being, having a day off sick. So I thought, well, to be penalised for that is in very, very poor taste. So I was really annoyed about that. But of course, I turned it over to God. I said, look, I can't change it. This is what they've decided. You know, I, I, I'm really fuming. I don't really feel like going back to work there, but I have no choice. And God gave me the, the patience, really, and the grace to just, to just um, put up with it, but not just put up with it, to show perfect courtesy. I was actually very polite to these people. When I saw them in the workplace following that, in corridors and in offices, I wouldn't kind of ignore them or be rude to them or, or show that I was angry with them, and I was. I was fuming. Deep breath. 
and just be polite, just be nice to them. And their attitudes towards me softened at that point. And I was treated with more kindness, I suppose. Maybe there was guilt on their part, but because I didn't lash out and retaliate in anger, but I kind of responded in a way which was courtesy, and I was still doing my job properly, and I wasn't neglecting my duties, and I was carrying on, and I, my attendance didn't suffer for that, and nor did the quality of my work. I think somehow they honoured that in the end. So that was an example of how responding in that way actually turned out for the long-term good, even though you were being treated unfairly. Um, obedience. That can be a difficult one as well, can't it? When you're being asked to do something which you disagree with. In another job, I remember I had a line manager who, to put it nicely, didn't have the best spelling in the world. I don't think he had ever heard of spell checking on, on Microsoft Office. But I had written my end-of-year report, because you have to do an end-of-year review to justify your, your position and also your, your, your pay grade and that kind of thing. So it took quite a long time to write it. It's a very detailed um, report you have to write. Submitted it to my line manager, and they said to me, oh, um, can you rewrite it, but putting the letter I in front of each sentence? It's like, what? <laughs> uh, so I had very brief bullet points with, for example, um, improved this or, or made changes to that. She goes, no, no, I want you to write it with the word I. I made changes or I improved or I implemented. I said, are you serious? Yep, yep. And I thought, wow, that's, that's ridiculous. And I kind of went away, I prayed about it. And um, I realized, God kind of revealed to me that this person was very insecure. She was very insecure. And I kind of was, I was moved to compassion for her in a way, rather than being frustrated, which I was in my human default response. I'm like, no, you know, it's a waste of time, waste of, they're not doing that. But God's way is so different to ours, isn't it? And I felt God said, just do it. Humor her and show her, show her mercy, essentially. Mercy triumphs over judgment, as it says in James. Yeah? So I did it. Didn't complain about it. Here you go, done. And she was so thankful that I had done that. And that changed things. Changed our, made our relationship better going forward. But again, if we do things in our own strength and according to our, our own logic, we will kind of say, no, I'm not doing that. It's there. I'm going to, in fact, in my human kind of, in my fleshy response, I, would, I, I initially thought, do you know what? I'm going to escalate this and just go to your, to your manager, see what he says about that. But I didn't do that. So I showed obedience in that. Um, to be ready for every good work. Attitude. Such a big thing. Your attitude. Are you ready? Can you be approached? Are you willing to help people? If people are struggling, are you willing to support them, to encourage them? Are you ready to do that? So much is about our attitude. And are we generous with not only our knowledge, but with our connections and with our time? If you see someone struggling, but you can't help them, but you know someone who can, are you willing to kind of facilitate that, to, to bring those relationships together? where collaboration can, can occur, which is going to help people. Are you ready to do that? So, um, speak evil of no one. Avoid quarrelling. Well, that's a big one, isn't it? Gossip. Gossip in the workplace. It's rife. Who said what? Who did what? Who's doing what? And I've been on kind of 
the midst of that and I've seen it from a distance and I've just learned the hard way really just to kind of keep well away from that. Just to keep well away from gossip. It's so, it's poison. It's so, it's, it, it's so poison, it ruins relationships. Once something's said, it can't be taken back. So James was so right about taming the tongue. Once we are to, to speak graciously and to speak well of people. If you can't speak, say something nice, then don't say it. Just keep quiet. Be gentle. Be gentle. Gentleness, so, so much now about work is quite aggressive. You look at any job application, they want people to be dynamic. They want people to be kind of a go-getter, a chaser, to be kind of forthright, forthright about things. That's the way of the world. But the way of the word is to be gentle, to be humble, to be graceful, and to allow God to move on your behalf. Rather than empowering yourself, taking, taking up arms yourself, allow God to do it. Seek him. Pray to him. And also to show um, consideration to others. You know, we've talked about, about it in church here, random acts of kindness, being kind to people, such a big thing. In one of my, my lowest point, one of my lowest points currently where I am now, um, a friend of mine bought me some, she, she mentioned, I mentioned that I like those lint chocolates and those red lint balls, I love those. So if you're listening, I love those lint balls. <laughs> And I mentioned it once, just in passing, and I was really in, in, a, in a, I was really going through a difficult time, and which at this point I just want to say that you, many of you here prayed for me during those, that period, so I want to thank you guys for that, for, for the support that I received from church in, in, in those days. Um, but in the midst of that, my friend brought me a box of those red lint, red lint balls off, on my desk, and I thought, that's so sweet, that is so kind. And ju just recently for Easter, I, I mentioned that I hadn't had an Easter egg for two years. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Two eggs without an Easter egg. And um, somebody had printed a note, Easter bunny, mystery Easter bunny, and they brought me a Cadbury's caramel egg, left it on my desk. I don't know who it's from. Nobody's, nobody's telling me who it was from, but I thought, but that is such a blessing to, um, to receive a random gift like that. And it was the Cadbury's caramel. It had three bars in it three bars I know I know what a blessing that was um, and also um, another way really we, we can show we can show um, consideration and love to people in the workplace it's an obvious one but it's praying for them pray pray for your colleagues pray 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 for the environment that you're in S invite God to come into that I was um, many of you know I was in China last year and I, I got friendly with a doctor in China and I would meet her at her workplace every couple of weeks and we'd go and like have Bible study in the hospital. She was a Christian, but she wasn't allowed to talk about her faith in the workplace. She could have got sacked for it. So we'd go into a, like a little office away from her, her main area and we would, go through, we would talk about the Bible, talk about faith, and we'd pray together and that kind of thing, which was a real, a real privilege for me to be able to do that in, in an environment where, where that's not done. And she was talking about her struggles with colleagues in the workplace, the office politics, hospital politics, if you like. And I said to her, well, you know, you can pray. Pray for your colleagues. As you pray for your patients, pray for the doctors and nurses who work there with you. Oh, can I do that? I'm like, yes, you can do it. 
God wants you to do that. He loves it when we, when we bring these things to him. So pray, pray, for the people, pray for your workplace. Pray for, the, for those who are surrounding you there. And if we could have the, the, the next slide, please. Remember who we're serving. So remember who we're serving. So this is Paul writing uh, in Colossians. Colossians 3, 22 to 24. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only with, when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is the Lord Christ that we're serving. We need to remember that. When we're at work, we have people placed above us. We have our bosses, our managers, our superiors. But do we only work hard when we know that they're monitoring us? What do we do when they're not looking? When they are... I mean, I work from home. I'm very fortunate I can work from home quite often now. What's my... How do I spend my time at work? Am I doing my work? Or am I, or am I not? Well, a good definition of integrity is, is what is it you're doing when no one else is looking? But we need to remember that it's God we're working for. Wherever we are, we're his ambassadors, we're his children. We are kingdom carriers wherever we, wherever we are. So what's, how are we working? So not only when our boss's eye is on us and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. The work that we're given to do is a blessing. Whether we like it or not, we, we should give thanks for it. And to remember that we're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. In Matthew, when, when uh, Jesus talks about fasting, he says that the Lord who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the Lord sees what we do all the time. He never slumbers or sleeps sees everything that we do. So we need, to re- we need to remember our attitude and work as if we're working for the Lord. So that applies not just to, the, to our work that we're physically doing, but how we carry ourselves in the workplace. How do we treat other people? All this comes together to um, demonstrate what love is in the workplace. And a, a verse which really kind of speaks to me about this is Proverbs 16:7. And it says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. So if you are putting God first, inviting him in, seeking to please him, working as though you're working for the Lord, the offshoot of that is that people are going to respond to you in a way which you did not expect. Where you you sow love, you will reap love. As, as, as kind of as trite as that sounds, it's true. If you go into work with, with, a, with an attitude and put, of putting God first, seeking to please him, seeking to honour your bosses and those around you, there will be fruit that's born from that. I've seen it in my own experience. I um, was dreading the place I was working, hated it because I, I, I felt every door was closed to me. Every suggestion I made was, was shut down, every... Um, opportunity was kind of denied to me. Got to the point where I had to, to, 
to really seek God and, and sing praises to him every day going to work on my commute, knowing that if I didn't ask God into the situation and give him thanks and praise, that I wasn't going to get through the working day. I was dreading going to work every day. But doing that and having an attitude of, of gratitude rather than complaint, giving thanks to God and allowing, seeing it as an opportunity to lean on God more, actually. <coughs> seeing it as an opportunity to lean on God. Because when things go well all the time, sometimes God can take a bit of a backseat. But he, you've, he's really got your attention in the, in the struggles. So there's struggles if we learn to give thanks for those. As it says in James, to see it as a good thing. Then we allow God to come in. And things change. When God's in the situation, because you seek and you will find, you seek God, he comes to you, into your workplace, things will change. I've seen it for myself. I've seen it for myself. And even one of the joys of, of just preparing this, this sermon, this just, just over the last sort of couple of weeks, I've been consciously trying to put that into action in the workplace. Like, I'm, I'm not the greatest person on a Monday morning. I've got Monday morning-itis, you know. I go in, I'm like, yeah, morning kind of thing, and I'm at my desk. But I'm actually thinking, you know, I'd be such a hypocrite if I didn't practice what I preach. Let me find out about, hey, how are you? How, not just how, how are you doing. No, how, really, how are you? And really listening to people's response. How are they feeling? What's going on in their lives? And just being polite, having a little, a little chat with people, just to, just to kind of to, to bless them in some way. It doesn't have to be a massive thing. And just doing that has kind of made things better even in the last couple of weeks, just because I'm consciously thinking about these things um, and knowing that, that, that they work. So God moves when we invite him in. He turns situations around. He's a God of breakthrough. And I'm going to hand back to Robin uh, now, um, but I just want to encourage you that... If there's anyone here who is dreading going to work tomorrow morning for whatever reason, maybe you've got a colleague who you, know, you don't want to deal with, you don't want to see them because up, there's, there's a rift, or, or maybe you've made a mistake and you, you're not sure how to, how to make amends for that, or there is just a difficulty that you're dealing with. Maybe you feel you've been treated unfairly. Maybe someone else is getting all the promotions and you're not. Maybe you're being left out of things. Things that there's, There is um, like social activity going on and you've been neglected, you've been left out and it keeps happening. And you're saying, God, how long, how long am I going to be ignored? How, how long am I going to be abandoned? If that's you, please do come forward for prayer. We have a ministry team here and we'd love to stand with you in prayer for these, these, these issues because they're so important. I'm sure that we all, we've all, everyone here has struggled in some way in the workplace. If you're struggling right now, Please do come forward. We would love to pray for you. Because he's a good God and he loves us. And he's a God of breakthrough. And when he intervenes, situations are transformed. So be encouraged.